Matthew 6. Matthew 6. We've been on it all week. We believe it. It's a great word. Verse 33. Anybody know it? What does it say? Well, let me back up to verse 32. The previous verse. After all these things, do the Gentiles seek? And in here and also in Luke, he said, don't seek after all those things like the ungodly world seeking after. For your heavenly Father knows that you have need of all these things. He knows you need it. (laughs) In verse 33, but you seek, seek ye, you seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness. You seek first. You seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. Do you believe that verse? Yes. Is it really true yes. that if we will give ourselves to seeking the kingdom of God, that everything we need materially and financially will be added to us without us strenuously and stressingly and struggling trying to get it? Is it true? It'll just be added to you. Then we ought to do it this way because this is easier than the struggling and the stressing and the worrying and the fighting and the sweating. All we got to do is seek first. What does seek mean? Anybody remember that? It means you think about it and and you try to see how to do it and how to get it. You plot You get up thinking about it, and all through the day you're thinking about it, and you go to bed thinking about what? What can I do? How can you use me to advance the kingdom of God? And if I'm doing that, will my bills get paid? Huh? Will I have a good place to live? Will I have plenty of good clothes to wear? Plenty of good food to eat? Plenty of good way to go? My family be taken care of? Will the Lord take care of me? If you take care of his business, will he take care of your business? If you seek to take care of his family, will he take care of your family? But if you put your family first, you violated the first principle of prosperity. We talked about that last night. Go with me, if you would, over to the book of Philippians. Philippians, the first chapter. Philippians 1 and 27 He said, only let your conversation be as it becomes the gospel of Christ, that whether I come and see you or else I'll be absent, I may hear of your affairs that you stand fast in one spirit, with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. Does this sound like a bunch of people got the kingdom on their mind? Everybody. On the same page. Look at the second chapter. Beginning uh, chapter 2 and verse 1 of Philippians. We'll just read down through here for, for a little bit. He said. If there be therefore any consolation in Christ. If any comfort of love. If any fellowship of the spirit. If any bowels and mercies. Verse 2. Fulfill ye my joy. That you be like minded. Now we know God used Paul to pin this. But this isn't just Paul talking. This is the spirit of God. And you can hear the heart of God. 
Back up to verse 1. And don't listen to this like it's Paul. Listen to this like it's your father God. He said if there's any consolation in Christ. If there's any comfort in love. If there's any fellowship of the spirit. Any bowels and mercies. Verse 2. Fulfill you my joy. Make me happy. Who's talking? Help me out. This is not just a man's word. Fulfill. Give me some joy. My children. Give me some joy. My sons and daughters. That you by being like minded. Having the same love. Being of one accord. One mind. He just got through saying that in the first chapter. And he's saying it again. Is this on the heart of God? Is this in the mind of God? What for you and for me. And for every born again child of God on the earth. To get together. To get of the same mind. Of the same heart. One accord. One mind. Let nothing be done through strife and vain glory. But in lowliness of mind. Let each esteem other better than yourselves. Well you have to think about somebody. They have to cross your mind. To do that. If you're only thinking about yourself. You're certainly not going to esteem them better. Verse 4, look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Read that out loud, verse 4. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Keep reading, verse 5. Let this mind... Which was also in Christ Jesus. Y'all are good readers. Verse 6. Who being in the form of God. Thought it not robbery to be equal with God. But made himself of no reputation. And took on him the form of a servant. And was made in the likeness of men. What does that mean? He didn't think it robbery. He, He goes into this by talking about. Don't just think on your own things. But think on the things of others. The law of Christ is bearing one another's burdens. Isn't that what the scripture says? The law of what is the law of the Christ? Bearing one another's burdens. That's how you fulfill the law of Christ. Now, skip on down to about what is it, verse 20, for time's sake. All this is wonderful and good. Verse 19, excuse me. He's talking about Timothy. He said, I I trust to send him shortly to you that I may be of good comfort when I know your state. For I have no man like-minded. He's still on the same thing about being on the same mind. Like-minded. One mind. One heart accord. Who will naturally care for your state. And verse 21. For all seek their own. And not the things which are Jesus Christ." Paul has had some experience now in dealing with people right and left in synagogues and churches. And he, this is his conclusion. He said, I got a man, Timothy. He's been helping me. He's like a son to a father to me. And he said, I don't have anybody else that's like him in the regard of him being like-minded with me 
and really caring about you like I do. Do you mind if I paraphrase just a little bit here? He said, because all seek their own and not the things that are the Lord's. Now, he's not talking about sinners. He's not talking about unsaved people. Selfishness and self-centeredness, self-focusedness. Is that a new word? Is uh, the scourge of the church. It is the big hindrance. And we need revelation and understanding. I'm going to say some things and it may strike you in a different way, but, but don't throw it away. Let me read this to you from another translation and then I'll, then I'll tell you that. The Amplified of Philippians 2.21 For the others all seek to advance their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ the Messiah. NIV, everyone looks out for his own interests. Everyone looks out for his own interests. This is the problem. And people don't, they justify it by thinking, yeah, but it's my... I'm not selfish. I live for my family. Yeah, but it's your family. (laughs) That's just another way of being selfish. It's your family. I give everything for my church. Your church is not the kingdom. Your ministry is not the body of Christ. It's not the kingdom of God. It's a part. And if all you think about is your church and your ministry and how to advance it, you're not kingdom minded. He said, for all seek their own. Can you see what we're getting to here that People have justified, you know, there's all kind of uh, ministers that don't tithe. All kind of ministries and churches that don't tithe. Why? Because they feel like, well, this is the work of the Lord. It's not the work of the Lord. It's a part. A part of the work of the Lord. Well, I give everything for my church. Yeah, your church. My family, my church, my ministry. We are a part of something so great, so big. Our God is so amazingly, awesomely big. And the body of Christ exists of millions already in heaven and millions on the earth. Most of whom we've never met and seen, but they're wonderful. I said they're wonderful. And we're just a part. We're just a part. And if we would open ourselves up for his greatness, we must get rid of fishbowl vision. We must not just think about my family, 
my occupation, my church, my ministry. We need to lift up our eyes. Let God reach inside us and begin to show us what we're a part of. Begin to help us to realize what, what we're a part of. We don't want to minimize our part, but think about how big this thing is. And when you begin to realize it, you'll feel like a pebble at the base of the Rocky Mountains. (laughs) You'll feel like a bubble next to a blue whale. (laughs) And yet God knows your name. And the very number of the hairs on your head. How does he do it? He's God. But, but, my church is not the kingdom. Your church is not the kingdom. We're but a part. And he wants us all to be of one mind and one accord. Somebody say one. One. Have you ever read the prayer that Jesus prayed in John 17? Have you read that prayer? In fact, turn over there. Why, Why are you thinking about it? Turn to John 17. We don't have all of Jesus praying recorded. We have very little of it. But this was so important and so special that the Lord had it recorded for all generations for all time. What did he pray? John 17. The whole prayer is wonderful and good, but let's start down about uh, verse 11. John 17, 11. Jesus said, Now I'm no more in the world, but these are in the world, and I'm coming to you. Holy Father, Keep them through your own name, those whom you've given me, that they may be one as we are. Here I am impressed with the faith of Jesus to even pray such a prayer. Not just that we would be able to tolerate each other. But that we would be one, not just make it one, like he and the Father are one. And I believe if he prayed it, it's got to come to pass. Do you believe? Because I know he won't quit believing till till he's experiencing it. Till he's seeing it. And so no matter what it looks like. And how many factions we're split into. And how many doctrinal differences there are among us. It's got to happen. It's got to happen. That we become one. 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 Skip on down. He said it again. Verse 20. Verse 20. He said, neither pray I for these alone, but for them also which shall believe on me through their word. How many in here have believed through the words of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John? Then he's praying for you. Verse 21, that they all may be one, and that you, Father, in me, and I in you, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that you have sent me. Glory to God. Somebody say one. 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 
And you can hear that in that Philippians, that second chapter. You can hear the heart of the Father. He's saying, if there's any consolation, if there's, if there's any of this, if there's any of that, give me some joy. Be like-minded. Be of one mind and one accord. Why? Because then and only then will we reach our potential. Because I don't have it all. And you don't have it all. And none of us do. I'm not the body of Christ. I'm a member in the body. You're not the body of Christ. You're a member. I got something that you don't have. You've got something that I don't have. This church has got stronger in this than others are. This church is stronger in a different area yet. How many remember 1 Corinthians 12? Unto one is given this. And to another, not the same. Right? Not the same. Why? So that the members would have care and esteem one for each other. And and know I need you. And you need me. Hmm? I might be a good finger. But if all you got in the body is finger. You got no feet to walk on. You got no ears to hear. You got no right. You got no eyes to see. Nobody has all the gifts and callings and graces. We all have a grace and a call and a part and a anointing. And to have the whole thing, you got to put us together. To have all the calls and all the anointings and all the graces and all the abilities. We got to work together. And the devil knows that. It's no accident that the New Testament commandment is what? Love each other like I have loved you. Why? That's the only way the body of Christ can accomplish its vision and call. Why? By working together. And if I walk in love with you, and you walk in love with me, even though I got some goofy ways and you got some goofy ways, we won't let that keep us apart. Right. Even though you make a mistake and I make a mistake, we'll forgive each other. Right. Come on, are you with me? <laughs> even though I don't agree with you on everything and you don't agree with me on everything, we both agree that we both just know in part and there's so much we don't know, no need us getting ugly about it. <laughs> and that we both love the Lord with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And we got to get this gospel preached. And we got to get the kingdom advanced and built. And if we'll walk in love enough with each other, we will be able to work together. Oh, somebody say work together. This is the dream of the Father. That his people all over the planet would work together. I know it sounds impossible, but don't underestimate the faith of Jesus. Don't underestimate. He prayed it, and the reason he prayed it, because he knew it was the will of God. And he knew he could stand on it, and he knew he could believe it. Somebody say glory to God. Go with me to the book of Acts, please. You got a few more minutes? Go to the book of Acts, please. Acts chapter 2. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. Hmm? 
and his righteousness. And all these things will be added to you. Is your church the kingdom of God? No, it's a part. Is your family, your ministry the kingdom of God? It's a part. It's but a part. In uh, Acts, the second chapter, when this is the very beginning days of the church, they got born again, and the Spirit of God came on the day of Pentecost. They got filled with the Holy Ghost. And notice what happened to them. Acts 2. You know where I'm going or not? Verse 41. Acts 2. 41. Then that they that gladly received his word were baptized. And the same day they were added unto them about 3,000 souls. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added. We see in the beginning days of the church. God adding to the church. Adding 3,000 here. 5,000 here. Daily such as should be saved. I've had people talking about, you know, well, I don't like these larger churches. I like a New Testament church. (laughs) 2,000 got saved right here. And then another several thousand right after this. I mean, you got a church of 10,000 just like that. That's a New Testament church. It's in the book of Acts. And verse 44. And all that believed were together. They were together. What were they? Together. Together. They were together. They were together. And they had all things common. Common. Verse 45. And they sold their possessions. And their goods. I reckon they liked their buildings and lands and horses and chariots as much as you like your stuff. Huh? But they liked something else more. So they sold stuff right and left. They sold their possessions and they sold their goods and they parted them to all men as every man had need. They pooled their resources. They were together and they pulled their resources together. What could we do together? What could we do together? So they continued daily with one accord in the temple, breaking bread from house to house. They ate their meat with gladness and what? And what? Singleness Singleness. together, common singleness. Can you see a theme running here? This bunch is together, aren't they? Not just geographically, in heart, in mind, in faith, in purpose, in spirit. And it's not to advance a political party. And it's not to advance a business scheme. And it's not to advance a man or a woman or this preacher or that preacher. It is to build the kingdom of the Lord Jesus Christ. And they are obsessed with this. 
And they're willing to sell and to spend and to be spent. And and not just are they willing to to do it. They're happy to do it. See, people talk about, well, I'll sacrifice. I'll do it. (laughs) No, you're not doing it. Unless you can do it gladly. Unless you want to do it, unless you're glad to do it, it's not acceptable to the Lord. I guess I can can give it up for Jesus. No, you don't qualify. You don't qualify. Unless you can do it. Gladly. Were they glad? Glad and singleness of heart. Praising God and having favor. With all the people that's on the outside. And look what else is happening. And the Lord added, added, added to the church every day. Every day. People were being saved every day. Every day. Every day. The Lord said, if you love each other like I love you, by this shall all men know that you're my disciples. There was something about the way this bunch was living and laughing and giving that drew people. It was drawing them in from the right and the left. Come on, are you seeing this? And they thought, man, that is, I want to be a part of that. That's what I want to be a part of. And they were coming in and getting saved every day. They were seeing the real thing. Not an institution. Not an organization. Not a party. Not a scheme. Not building a man's thing or a woman's thing. They're seeing the real living body of Christ. The real living ever expanding kingdom of God. Somebody say glory to God. Say it again glory to God. Look at the fourth chapter. Chapter 4. Verse 32. Say it again together. Say it again together together. Here again, fourth chapter. We see the same thing. It's continuing. It lasted longer than a day or two or a week or two. And it's just gaining momentum. And even though you got all these thousands of people that have come in, it's still going the same way, still operating the same way. The multitude of them. When the Bible talks about multitude, it's talking about thousands, maybe scores of thousands. That believed were of Could you get 20, 30, 40, 100,000 people in one heart, one soul, one mind? It happened. We're a part of the same church. The multitude of them that believed, the, the whole scores of thousands of them, were of one heart and one soul, and neither said any of them, that ought anything of the things that he possessed was his own. They had all things common. Now just saying that people get quiet and they go. Well that's, that's interesting. No, that's the New Testament church. That's supposed to be us. Now. This has been used to justify and confirm people's 
ideas of communal living and socialism and communism and and think, well, hey, this is this is the obvious solution to the world's problems. You've got people that don't have enough, and then you got people that's got way more than they need. So you just take it from the people that's got way more they need and give it to the people that need it, and voila, <laughs> the world's problems are solved, and everybody's happy, except maybe the guy you took it from. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, there's a lot of people adhere to this, some form or fashion, and they say, well, that's just what, that's just the way it ought to be, and if somebody's really a Christian, then if they have extra, then that's what they do. And and other people that don't have extra, they have a right to expect them. No, they don't. No, they don't. Because God never intended that man be man's source. And man be man's provider. And if any man or woman will get saved and born again and get in the kingdom, they got exactly the same source and provider that you do. Or the richest man or woman in the kingdom has. Same provider. Same source. And God wants no man, no woman to be a beggar and be dependent on another brother or, or sister. No, he didn't intend. Jesus did not pay the price so part of us could be beggars and dependent on the rest of us. No, sir. No, ma'am. We all got the same source. All got the same great Jehovah Jireh. All got the same El Shaddai. All, every one of us, every one of us. But see, the deal is, people don't want to serve God. They want to reject Him. They want to blaspheme Jesus and then make us their source. Uh Uh-uh. No. You want me to take the blessing God has given me and give to a blasphemer? That when you give it to him, not even going to be thankful to Jesus? Turn around and cuss my Jesus? No. No, nobody made these guys do this, did they? No, keep reading. Verse 32 in the Amplified says, The company of believers was of one heart and soul. Not one of them claimed that anything which he possessed was exclusively his own. But everything they had was in common and for the use of all. Easy to read translation verse 32 says the whole group of believers were united in their thinking and in what they wanted. It wasn't the pooling of resources that caused this. That was a response. That wasn't, it didn't start with that. That was the effect. Why? When everybody wants the same thing. Then everybody starts popping up and say, well, I got this. We can use this to help get it. Well, I got that. We can use this to help get it. I got that. Hey, use that. That's fine. Use it. Let's get this job done. Let's, let's get this. The, the whole bunch was on the same track, same mind. That's why they made all their resources available to get it done. And somebody said, well, that's what we need today. We need somebody that can oversee this thing. And Pula, we got somebody. 
We got somebody. He's the Holy Spirit. We got somebody. And he says what he hears Jesus, the head of the church, say to us. No, this is not man-made, man-organized, man-coerced. You got to pay your part. We're going to make you pay. That's the devil. That's the devil. A gift is not even acceptable unless it is given freely with no coercion, no pulls, no strings. They were of one mind. They were of one accord. And they pulled their resources. Hallelujah. And verse 33. And with great power gave the apostles witness of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And great grace was upon them all. Is this a happy life? Is this a happy bunch? Are they shaking the town? Are they shaking the country for Jesus? The Bible, keep reading in these chapters, it talks about situations where whole towns turn to Jesus. Whole towns at once turn to Jesus. Neither was there any among them that lacked, for as many as were possessors of lands or houses sold them and brought the prices of the things that were sold. And they laid them down at the apostles' feet, and distribution was made to every man according as he had need. Who's making them do this? Nobody's making them do this. Who's demand? Are Peter and John demanding that you got to sell that? And you got no, no, no. And we know that nobody was demanding it or requiring it because of the very next couple of verses. In the midst of this beautiful holy thing, Ananias and Sapphira try to use it to advance themselves personally, and did not realize that they were treading on something that was very precious and holy to God. Can you hear the heart of God in Philippians where he's saying, be like-minded, get together, work together. And the people are doing it. And it's pleasing the Father. And he's watching people sacrifice and, and sell and lay down and, and give and it's precious to him. You know it is because he's put his great grace on the whole bunch. I mean the anointing and favor of God is on them from the morning till the night. And even people that are not in church respect them and think they're wonderful. And, and people are getting saved every day, every day, every day. And Ananias and Sapphira see it as an opportunity an opportunity to make some political advancement and to be noticed. And so they sell it and God gave them a real good price for it. But it was just flat too much to give in one offering. And so they discussed it and decided this is too much. I mean, yeah, we, it was a good idea, but man, this is serious money. And, well, we'll just, we'll take this off and we'll keep it. And we'll just say that this was the whole price. It sound good? To, yeah, it sounds good to me. The Bible, you know, the Bible says if any two of you agree is touching anything, it's the same word used with Ananias and Sapphira. They were in spiritual agreement online and falsifying the numbers. And so Ananias comes in and he says, oh, I just love the Lord and I just won't the kingdom of God to be advanced. We've sold the property that we've had and we just want to give the whole thing to the Lord. You know, 
supposed to be so humble and so self-sacrificial. And Peter looked at him and said, what have you done? The devil has filled your heart to lie. You had just lied to me, boy. You've lied to the Holy Spirit here today. And I mean, when he said those words, the grace of God, the anointing was so strong through that whole bunch, he fell dead, right there, boom, dead. You know, he had said to him, while you had it, it was yours. And when you sold it, you could have done whatever you wanted to. Isn't that right, Emma? So we know nobody was beating them and saying, you ought to do this and you ought to do it. There was no compulsion. There was no coercion. And he said, after it was sold, it was yours. You could have done whatever you wanted to. You could have come in and said, oh, we want to give this much. Nobody asked you if it was all. You could have just said, we want to give this. But no, you got to come in here and lie. He fell dead when his wife came in. Peter looks at her in the eye and says, how much did y'all sell that land for? Oh, they rehearsed it. She quoted the number. He said, well, the feet of the guys that just got through burying your husband, they didn't even let her know she, he was dead yet. They already buried him. They just are coming back in from burying your husband. And they're just in time to bury you. She fell out dead. Why? Because this is holy. Somebody say holy. Holy. And the people's hearts are like this. And they're giving like this. And they're willing to sacrifice and lay everything and anything down to serve Jesus. You don't stand up in the middle of that and mock it. And that's what they were doing. They were mocking it. Can you see this is holy to the Lord? Elsewise, there's a lot of people have told lies and messed up and they didn't just fall dead. Why so severe? Why so sudden? Because this is so near and dear to the Father's heart. And his people were actually doing what he wanted them to do. And they were seeking him first. And they were thinking about him in the morning and in the afternoon and when the sun went down and no price was too big and everybody was just happy and glad. They they were spending and gladly being spent. And you don't mock that. Are y'all with me, friends? Do we want the great move of God in our midst? Do we want the level and caliber of miracles that we read about in the book of Acts and the thousands turning to the Lord on the daily basis? Are we hungry for that? Do we want that? Then we've got to quit being obsessed with mine. This is hindering us. This has been holding us back. My See, none of them said, this is mine. Remember the verse. Old friend, I've been in the ministry long enough myself to be in a number of situations. I've been in several situations to where these are major things about the plan of God happening in multiple ministries. And it just shocked me that people got upset and they got mad and they did this and they did that. And nobody wanted to know what's the will of the Lord. People are mad and they're fussing and they're upset. And what they want to talk about is my people. What if they get some of my people? What if they get some of my money? 
It's my town. This is my my area. These are my. They're they're trying to pull on my people. They're trying to get some of my money. They're getting some of my money. Your money. Your people. Friend, this is choking the body of Christ. It is choking, and we, we don't like to think about it. We don't like to talk about it, but I'm telling you, I'm not talking about two or three instances. The body of Christ is full of this. Full of this. People, a lot of, a lot of people, otherwise, they're good people. They're good men and women, but they're full of fear. That's why they react the way they do. They're full of fear. Somebody's going to get some of mine. So they got to keep, got to keep tight grip on it. That's mine. That's my song leader. That's, that's, that's my, my plan. That's mine. That's mine. And if that's the case, there'll be no joining of resources. Let me ask you again, friends. What could we do together? The ministries represented in this room right now watching by internet. All the pastors, all the churches, all the traveling ministries. Just right here. What if we all pulled our faith and our money and our resources for a single project to advance the kingdom? What could we do? What could we do? What could we do? Friends, the world has despised us because we've been weak and self-centered and self-focused and powerless and without influence. It's uh, Phyllis and I, having worked with some business people in some of these transactions, it's sad, but a lot of these folks do not have respect for the church. They don't. You you go in and, and you tell them you're a church and they, they, and they want to just hang up the phone and just walk away because they've had experiences with churches that are bad and, and dishonorable. That's right. It said in these days, the outsiders respected them. Didn't they? The fear of God fell on all the people outside the church. Some friends of ours were riding this several years ago, just riding out in the country. Enjoying the day, taking a little time off. They're riding in the back, a couple, he and she and Phyllis and myself in the front. We drove through this little town, a little quaint town. And the lady in the back, she said, this is a nice little town. She said, why don't we buy this and fix it up? Why don't we buy this little town and fix it up? It hit me. I thought, yeah, why don't we? We don't think like that. But we could. What could we put together? Just the ministries, the churches, just in this room. Uh, people talk about, well, they won't let me do this and they won't let me do that. And You roll into town with $500 million and 80,000 people backing you. It don't matter what they want. Are you with me or not? People will stumble over this stuff getting out of your way. <laughs> the Lord told us to come in here and do this. Well, says who? 
Says us 150 churches and our billion dollars. You want to talk to us or not? Y'all with me or not? But see, we've been scattered and splintered and small and powerless and uninfluential and so busy being scared that somebody might get some of my people. If I work with him, then they might like him better than they do me. And and he might get some of my ties. I think he's already getting some of my ties. Then you will be narrow and small the rest of your life. You will never achieve the greatness and the largeness that God has called us to. I'm not talking about something a man can put together. I'm not talking about something. Somebody says, we need somebody to lead this. We got somebody to lead this. He's the Holy Spirit. We need somebody to put together an organization. We got an organization. It's called the body of Christ. It's called the kingdom of God. (laughs) And all we got to do is have men and women, leaders in the church, and all the people that help them and follow them love God so much that all they want is to see the kingdom advanced. To have the heart and mind of John the Baptist. What do you mean? Well, John the Baptist, it may be hard for us to realize, but Jesus was an unknown when John's ministry was well known. He's the one that introduced the people to Jesus. His ministry was big in those days. John the Baptist, everybody knew John the Baptist. His meetings were huge. His influence was powerful. Jesus was an unknown. He introduced Jesus to the people and the people to Jesus and his, his own disciples. They said, he's the one that you've been talking about? He said, he's the one. They left John that day and went and followed Jesus. And he said, that's good, boys. That is exactly right. And some of John's diehard disciples that stuck with him, they said, now, John, this just ain't right. Everybody's going to him and they're leaving you and you're the one who helped him get started. Anybody remember what John said? Anybody remember? He must increase and I must decrease. That's the way it's supposed to be. This is the plan of God. I was doing my purpose. That's what's, oh friend. So many people want their own thing. They want their name on the thing. And they are so jealous and so scared about my stuff and my meetings and my money and my people. And the truth is, a lot of these people shouldn't have their own. They should not be at the head, at the helm. They would be a much greater blessing to the body at large as a helps ministry. But they won't, they don't know, unwilling to submit, won't follow instructions, so they gotta have their own. And this has happened in denomination after denomination and group after group. This church split off of this church, went across the road, started theirs. This one said, I'm not going. And you got all kind of people starting things the Lord never told them to start, leading things the Lord never, never anointed them or led them to lead. Are you listening, friends? And then you got people over here. They should be helping and they're missing their help. 
And these folk are small and struggling and in, uninfluential and mad at God. Why won't you help us? Why won't you help us? Why won't you give us money? The Lord never even told you to do what you're doing. Oh, but friend, if everybody got in their place and everybody started operating in their grace, it would be like the body of a finely tuned Olympic athlete. I mean, when only a couple of parts is working in the body, you're not going to set in your records. I mean, if you're going to set records, how many know everything has got to be working and it's got to be working right and it's got to be working at its full potential? How many think the body of Christ ought to be working at its full potential? That our head of our body deserves no less. Jesus is the head. We are the body. And what the head wants done in the earth is done through the body. And it's got to be frustrating to him that he wants to do something. Just use the arm. It's his arm. It's his shoulder. It's his bicep. It's his elbow. It's his forearm. It's his wrist. It's his hands and fingers. And all he wants to do is to reach out and do something in the earth with his arm. But the shoulder had a fallen out with the bicep. And the wrist formed the first church of the wrist and quit fellowshipping with the hand. Are y'all with me? And then the hand and the wrist, they don't fellowship anymore. They had a fall. They disagree on doctrines and they disagree on that and they don't agree on that. So they ain't working together. No, the other guy said, hey, it was hand in the morning, hand in the afternoon. I got sick and tired of hand. Hand all the time. Yeah, but when you a wrist, how much you going to do without a hand? Your hand, how much you going to do without a wrist? It, it, didn't he talk about this in 1 Corinthians? He said, this part of the body cannot say to that party, part of the body, I don't need you. You do need them. We need them. Do we need our Catholic brothers and sisters? Do we need our Methodist and our Presbyterian brothers and sisters? Do we need our Pentecostal and our Baptist? Do we need our Lutheran brothers? Do we need them all? Do we need them all? We need everybody this is a giant job in this earth billions need to hear we my little resources you're as blessed as we may be they pale in comparison to what the body of christ is capable of but if i'll join you and you join me and i quit being scared that you might get something of mine and i quit i quit being scared my offering might be less if they find out about your project <laughs> or if I if I let you preach for my people, they may like you and want to support you, and that could that could affect my offerings. I know we don't like to talk about this, but this is the way it is. It, it's the way it's been going on, and it's not okay. It is choking the body of Christ. What could we do together? What could we do? What could we do together with all our resources pooled, our anointings combined, all our revelation joined together, all our faith 
I can believe for this, you can believe for that. But what if we put ourselves all together? What if, what if all of us stood up like one man? <laughs> You'd scare the devil right out of town. I'm telling you. Imagine just a hundred thousand of us showing up somewhere with tons of money and a heart full of faith. And say, so we come to do the master's business. We come to do our father's business. They might, you know, sneer at a couple of us or 20 or 30, but you get to a certain point, they quit laughing. <laughs> you get to a certain level and people have to take you seriously. Whether they want to or not, they have to take you seriously because you just, you're in their face. You're not going away. And there's so many of you. And you're so serious. And everybody look at looks exactly the same way. And you can't splinter them. You cannot divide and conquer them. You know what Jesus warned us about? Any kingdom, any house divided against itself cannot stand. And the devil was listening when he said that. And he knew it already. And so why do you think that he works night and day? Factions and division over some of the stupidest stuff. We like the piano on the right side of the platform, and we think that's high. And we think baptism should be you hold your hand like this, and you say this with this syllable shows the infancy and ignorance of the people involved. Look at Psalm 133. I think I'm closing. Psalm 133. What could we do together? What could we do? Is this an impossible dream? Huh? It's the dream of Jesus. He's not just in fantasy. He's in faith. Psalm 133. Did you find it? Anybody familiar with this? With this psalm, what does it say? Behold, look how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. You remember the scripture talking about in in Ecclesiastes that two is better than one? You remember that? Let me read that to you before we read the rest of this. It said, the living Bible says, Ecclesiastes 4, 9, two can accomplish more than twice as much as one. For the results can be much better. If one falls, the other pulls him up. If a man falls when he's alone, he's in trouble. Verse 12, one standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two can stand back to back and conquer. Three is even better. The complete English says, someone might be able to beat up one of you, but not both of you. (laughs) And if people found out when they were messing with you, that they were messing with all of us, it would change things. It would change things, wouldn't it? But it hasn't been so. The devil has known. He can cut this one out and he can do anything to them and none of the rest act like they even know it and... We're so splintered and we're so divided and so self-focused. Psalm 133. 
in the easy to read translation. It says, oh, how wonderful, how pleasing it is when God's people all come together as one. It's like the sweet smelling oil that's poured over the high priest's head. Do we have a high priest? This is Psalm 133 verse 2 guys. It's like the sweet smelling oil that is poured over the high priest's head that runs down his beard flowing over his robes. Other translations say down to the skirts. There's an anointing that flows over us when we get together and when we join together that we will never experience any other way. And it's, a, it's an anointing straight from the head. Straight from the head. It runs down. His head flowing over his robes. It's like the gentle rain. It's like the dew from Mount Hermon falling on Mount Zion. It is there that the Lord has promised his blessing of eternal life. Stand on your feet, everybody. Lift up your hands. Lift up your hearts. Begin to say out loud, Lord, I know. I'm not by myself. I'm one of many in the great body of Christ. I join with my master in believing for oneness, for the joining and the combining and the cooperation of all the parts of the great body of Christ. Oh, begin to praise. Just begin to lift up your hands. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.